episode 234. Not sure if you caught the Academy Awards, Riv. Oh, yeah. Definitely it, sat and watched that. I didn't watch it, but I mean, I caught the, the end of it. For what the is the Academy Awards? Awards? What is that? That's for... Okay, let me change it. The Oscars? Movies. I have no idea. That's the one Are where those Will movies? Smith smacked Chris Rock last year. Gotcha. Now you know. Gotcha. Okay. All, All right. right. So, best actor. Brendan Fraser. You know who that is? Never heard of him. What? Who is it? Who is it? Never heard of him. You've never heard of Brendan Fraser. Never heard of him. What what movie I'm, was he in? I'm like actually 99% sure he's Canadian. Um, it was The Whale, which I didn't see. I have not seen any of these movies. The only movie I saw was Top Gun Maverick of all these movies. I read the book All Quiet on the Western Front in eighth grade as, a, as part of a, a, a school project, but I never saw, I didn't see the movie. So, oh my God! I just looked him up. He's Tarzan. Not He's in Sino Man. Yes, Sino Man okay. won the Academy Award for Best Actor last night. Good for him. What was the movie about? Whale. You know what Bandy was in? Remember the movie Airheads with Adam Sandler? Yes. <laughs> you know, remember yes. the name of the. The Lone Rangers. And the guy's like, you can't pluralize Lone. <laughs> yeah, okay. Wow, good for him. Good for him. That's, That's crazy. crazy. Uh, I'm just looking up where he's from. Oh, he's from Indianapolis, Indiana. I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, but I feel like he went to school in Toronto for some reason. Uh, so anyway, yeah, he won the Academy Award for Best Actor last night, which kind of... He is a Canadian-American actor. Okay, Canadian-American actor so i don't know what that grown. means dual uh dual citizenship maybe yeah or? born in the u.s maybe is one of his parents were canadian and he moved back but i'm, I'm pretty sure he went to upper canada college yeah. if i'm not mistaken so anyway i just yeah. thought that was cool um i, I i'm not an, a huge brendan fraser fan but he was awesome in school ties i can't think do you have the movies there that he was in i can't think of many other movies like you said tarzan he was in the mummy. He was in Georgia, the jungle. He was yep. in, uh, the mummy returns. Uh, so he was I, good I, in the I, mummy actually go on. Uh, bedazzled Encino man was, I like forgot one all of his... about bedazzled. Have you ever seen bedazzled? Yeah. How about school ties? Phenomenal movie. Incredible movie. Have you ever seen bedazzled with Elizabeth Hurley? I have. Oh, but, Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah, I mean, that was 23 devil. years ago. That's 2000, year 2000. But it, I, I remember the movie was very good. Yes. Sabres look done. Sorry to put it so bluntly, but we've been kind of rooting this team on all year. And I think it's yeah. safe to say that we've hit that point with where Pittsburgh's pulled away to, where the Islanders are looking at some other teams around them. Is that safe? I don't I mean, it, uh, listen, I mean, they have not played their best hockey in the last little while. They've, they've lost too many games. They've allowed teams. They put themselves in a very good situation, but it's amazing what one week can do one week. Okay. 
when when uh, you're in a situation that you're not winning hockey games and the other teams that you're competing against, the Pittsburghs, the Islanders, the Floridas, you know, even Washington, they're winning games. When you're winning games, you're putting points on the board. Sabres have not won games. They've not won games. It's not because of Alex Tuck being out, because that's one individual. That's one person. It. Th- this is the time of year. You know, we had um, we had about twenty games left. The Sabers had about twenty games left, and they were in a very, and I mean very favorable position. They had games in hand. They were one or two points out of a out of a wild card spot, at the, and within one week, a week and a half. We are now, you know, eight, nine points behind Pittsburgh. You know, we're seven points behind the Islanders. They've lost games. It's catching up to them. Other teams are winning. Someone has to falter. Someone has to lose. There was an eight, eight teams that were, that were in competition for the wild card for two spots, eight teams. Yeah, yeah. You're starting to see teams fall off right now. I feel bad for them too. I really do because you can tell this team cares and everyone talks about, oh, you know, they have a, a, a great relationship in there. There's a great bond and all this stuff and team camaraderie. And that's important, which is why, why this sucks so much for this team and the fan base. I have seen more Sabres apparel and it's noticeable. Like, that's the thing. I mean, it's not just because bills are over. I took my son bowling yesterday. Sabres stuff everywhere. So they have they have instilled a, a passion again in the fan base. The team has rejuvenated the fan base's belief in the franchise. Yes. Period. End of story. Yes. A guy like Tage Thompson. Alex Tuck coming here with the attitude that he came here with in a in a massive franchise trade that is like earth shattering shit and a massive drought too for the organization. There's been a black cloud cruising over, you know, Buffalo and the Buffalo Sabers for many many years, and to have to have Alex Tuck come here with with the love for the organization. This guy, this is a guy that came from one of the top teams in the West. Okay. In Las Vegas. Okay. Finals a couple of years prior. Finals a couple of years ago. He's living in paradise and he gets traded to Buffalo, a team that hasn't made the playoffs in, in a decade. Okay. And Alex Tuck comes in here with an attitude that surprised everybody, surprised the fan base, surprised the players on the team. And that's infectious. When you have, Listen, misery is going to find misery and it's going to stay miserable. When you have positivity and when you have love in, in amongst the locker room and it feeds through the, the management, the coaching staff, like the general manager, it, 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 it starts to feed into the fan base because you're seeing that there's players that care. Alex Tuck was a massive, massive, massive piece. I'll give credit to uh, Peyton Krebs. Kid's got a smile on his face every single time he plays the game. He's supportive. He does what he has to do. They've built something here that's very, very positive. Now, they might fail. 
They might fail this year, but the, the, the positive in what we've seen as fans this year has been, that's what, that's what's brought back this fan base. And we can sit here today and focus on the negatives, focus on the things that have gone wrong, the games that they've pissed away, the you know some players that haven't performed. But I mean, that's all part of playing on a on a team that misses the playoffs. It's just the narrative is different. It's a lot different this year, and there's still a lot of games left. And there's a fucking massive game tonight. Like, there's no room to 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 sit back and mope. I, like, I want to see them close the gap. I don't give a shit about draft position. They're not going to get Connor Bedard. The league will not allow it to happen. They've had their number one picks. They've had their number two picks. They're not getting Connor Bedard. Okay. I want to see them close the gap. I don't care if they miss, but I want them closer than they are. I want it four points. You and I have been together for seven years that we've been, we've been doing this every single year that we've done this. We've talked about draft lottery simulator. I think, I think for the first time in a very, very, very long time that we've been together doing this, this is the first year that I don't need Connor Bedard. As much as I would love him, just like every other 32 teams in the league would love him. I don't need him. I don't want him. I don't care about that. It's about this team right now with the, the prospects and the young players that this team has moving forward. There is no question that the Buffalo Sabres will be a force in years to come. It's not this year. They've made massive strides, massive, massive strides. May not even be next year. Next year, I think I think next year they're going to be a playoff team. I'm going to tell you this. Mark my words. Next year, the Buffalo Sabres will make the playoffs. Well, that's why I want them to continue to, to grow, and, and I don't even grow, but just go up the standings and win games because – you want free agents that are targeting teams that have potential to make a playoff. And, and these guys can be different makers on certain rosters. You don't want them looking at a team that was like, ah, you know, they, you know, they, they were good for, you know, 60 games, but then they come, the wheels completely fell off the bus. Like I want them to finish strong, finish three, four points out in a, in a, a free agent in the off season or a goalie or whoever says, Hey, I can go to this team. I would fit right there, and I would be a massive piece to that puzzle. A guy yeah. on defense, uh, you know, a, f- a couple forwards up front, you know, f- players like that. I mean, but listen, I mean, Kevin Adams, it has work to do with the roster. There is some tinkering that needs to be done to the roster, and that will be done. But this team will make the playoffs next year. You bank on it. Why they're not making the playoffs this year? 21, 21, 22, 22, 25, 28, 24, 24, 26, 27. These are forwards. These are forwards on this team. They're very, very young. Yes, we have a 30 and a 34 and Skinner and a Poso, but you also have a 22 a 28, 23, 25, 25, 22, 20, and 24 on defense. That's a super, super, super young defense core. Also, these defense, these forwards next year will make 
strides. They will make strides moving forward. This team is going to be stronger, even if they don't do anything. If Kevin Adams sits on his hands and does nothing to this roster, this roster next year is minimum 15 points more just by doing nothing. Because Jack Quinn, Turka are not going to be rookies anymore. Peyton Krebs, Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins, three years in the league. He's only 22. I mean, there's going to be growth just in the mental side of things. The physical body, these guys are really starting to become men. And they're not necessarily men. Like I, I, I think of a man, like a man at 25. Not at 18, 19, 20, 21. These, these guys are still growing. I think there's a lot of growth with this team, but there's also moves. And Kevin Adams and his staff know what they have to do. They know what they have to do. They know exactly what they have to do to this roster to make it better. Well, so Huck's close to being back. Matias Samuelson is out. This is the tough time of the season where these kinds of injuries are the ones that make you sit back and say, fuck. Well, there's no other way to put it. You, you know, you lose Darlene for a game. You know, he's banged up. One game isn't healing anything. That's a token. Oh, shit. Can you play? Because we need you. Then you lose Tuck. Then you lose Samuelson. You lose Samuelson at the start of the year. You lose Samuelson at the end of the year. That's just because he plays a hard game. With 17 games left, I don't want to see this unravel completely. Comrie's hurt. There's a lot of there's you know it's just that time of year where. Listen, every every team's dealing with it, Petey. I mean, every single team's dealing with the same thing. They're all dealing with guys that are banged up, guys that are playing with injuries that nobody knows against, nobody knows about, not even the media that walks into a dressing room and addresses stuff with these guys every day. There are, I bet you, 10 guys on this team that are nursing injuries right now, and we do not know who's nursing an injury. This is the this is the toughest time of the season. You have teams that are in the playoffs and they're and they're trying to put themselves in the best position for playoff home ice advantage you have teams like a large number of teams in the east that are still competing for two wild card spots and then there's teams at the bottom that you have players on the team that are ultimately fighting for jobs for next year they're fighting for a contract so there's a lot of there's a lot that's still going on right now that needs to play itself out the Sabres have some injuries. They have some guys banged up. They have some guys that I'm watching that you can tell that they're not, that there's something going on. Okay. I'm not going to say who they are, but you can tell that there's something going on with them. And, um, you know, you got to, you got to play through those things. 17 games left. Just like you said, these are the toughest games that you're going to play. Are the Sabres guaranteed out right now? Is that what you're saying? The answer is yes, but I, 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 I don't want anyone to mistake or think that like I'm happy about that with saying that. I'm just trying to be 
as realistic as possible and paint the scenario. And if I'm wrong in a week, I'm wrong in a week because what happens these three games, they can beat Toronto. They can come out and absolutely surprise the Toronto Maple Leafs. They can beat the Washington Capitals and they can beat the Philadelphia Flyers. So what does that do? And that beat Boston. Well, Detroit beat Boston last night and I think Buffalo is better than Detroit. So can they beat Boston? Will they beat Boston? No. Can they beat Boston? They already have. That's right. So, I mean, they're not out. They're not out. They're, they're on a lifeline. Damn close. They got 17 games and it's amazing. What one week will do amazing. What one week will do three, three wins in a row. It, it, It puts this team back in a situation where if you have a, if you have a couple teams falter, it puts this team's right back in the mix, right back in the mix. So, I don't see the Sabres being out. They have games in hand. Buffalo Sen- Sabres Senators are right- doing them a favor. The Ottawa Senators are... Buffalo Sabres have three games in hand on the Islanders. If you win three games, it's you're at 75 points. The Islanders are at 76 points. I'm telling you, the Sabres are not out of this. They need, at all costs, to put some wins on the board. They are right there. Now, if they lose a couple they more have games, the Islanders next Saturday too. Massive game. So if you can get Toronto, Washington, Philly, Nashville, forget the Boston game. Let's let's I'm not going to say but let's go 4 for 5 on that one. Let's go 3 0 oh, and 1 on that one and you get 7 points. You can beat New Jersey at home. But then you have that Islanders game in Long Island. That's the problem. It's a back-to-back. And that's your last... Listen, man, it is what it is. These games, everybody has them. So it's not like we're getting served up, uh, you know, a shit sandwich. You got to go out and you got to perform. You got to do what you need to do to win games at all costs. That's it. And the Sabres right now, you know... Again, I got the feeling when me and you were 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 discussing before we were coming on the pod here today is just like, you know, there was kind of like that that letdown of shit, man. I mean, we're out. And it looks like we're out. When you look on paper, when you look on the websites and check your phone, wherever you're getting your information for standings, it looks like we're out. I do not think we're out. This team is three wins away from being right back in the mix. They have to win games. They have to win games. That's it. And they couple wins. This it's going to be it's going to be crazy because they're going to put themselves right back in the mix. Because right now they're they're, not, they're on the outside looking forcing, in. I just hope they're not forcing Alex Tuck back in the lineup. Because Darlene's day to day, Matias Samuelson's out, Comrie's week to week. I mean, I, I I don't. I just hope that's not the case, but we shall see. And the other thing too is, I could I could see this youthful squad getting their ass kicked tonight in Toronto, man. Like Toronto, Toronto beat up on Edmonton and Connor McDavid the other night. He came into their building and they they took it to yep. him. 
But here's the difference. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a very good team. One of the top teams in the league. Okay. You have the Edmonton Oilers coming into Toronto. What's Toronto thinking? What's Mitchie Marner thinking? What's Austin Matthews thinking? What's Nylander thinking and Tavares? What are they thinking? Don't lose to McDavid and Dreisaitl. Don't lose to McDavid and Dreisaitl. Notice Do how, not I, had, lose. Notice how I, I named them both, eh? I absolutely, I absolutely <laughs> was going to say something, but you said it. But right? You got you got a guy that's got 127 points and another guy who's got, what, 97? They're the two top scores in the league. Toronto was not going to take that game lightly. Here's the thing. You have Buffalo Sabres coming into your lineup or into your into your uh, building. They going to have the same spidey senses? I don't think so. So where, where Sabres have a leg up is they're going to be in a situation that they might be able to catch Toronto sleeping. And if, if the Sabres play their game, and I'm going to tell you, I've said this to you before, the Sabres, when they're on their game, can beat any team in this entire league. Any team. The Sabres can win in Toronto. Is it likely? Probably not. But I believe that they can win that game. Put two points in the bank, get out of there, boom, shakalaka, they're back in it, baby. They are back in it. They've got to win. Win games, win games at all costs. Next game's against Washington Capitals. Washington Capitals, two points ahead of them. That's a massive, massive, massive game. They beat them. Holy jumping, just walking right over top of other teams. The next couple games, the next three games are incredibly big for the Sabres. Any thoughts on uh, Jordan Greenway? Well, uh, if Tuck comes back, he's going to lose his spot on the top line. Not that that, not that that's not right. I'm just saying that you know he scored. Yep, beautiful play by Skinner. Do you right? I beautiful don't know. Do play you, by Skinner. Do you, leave, do you leave him there? And no, you do not. Okay, no, you do not. I that that to me, I said like, this. We know how good Tuck can be, and we know how Tuck makes other players around him better. So let's just say hypothetically, let's just say hypothetically, you can use Jordan Greenway with Skinner and Thompson, and they can still have success. And you can go and put Alex Tuck on the right side with Dylan Cousins and who's ever left wing number two. That's not terrible. That's that's not terrible. I mean, I think Tuck can do a lot of the same things that Thompson can do, you know? And I'm not saying that. I, I'm not changing the lines for any other reason other than Greenway scored. You just traded for him. Yep. Leave him there for a little bit. Nope. See if you have a steal, a, a massive steal. That you could have got that you got for for what was it a second rounder second yep. and a fifth second and fifth yep that would be massive and you yep. can take a guy that you know can play on either line with Dylan Cousins could you imagine with Tuck and Cousins together 
you got now look at you got a six seven centerman in the top line, a six six winger, you got a six four centerman in the second line, and a six four winger. I mean, that's that's massive. Yep. No pun intended, but that's massive for your yep. team. So is that a slight to Alex Tuck? I'd like to say it's more of a compliment. But at the same time, I also know that he's been producing at an unbelievable rate. And Jordan Greenway, I mean, he's he's not going to produce at any higher rate on any other line than he would with Thompson and Skinner. So yep. you know that to what Tuck can do. You know that Cousins is is blossoming, and he's going to be a 30-plus goal scorer in this league, two-way centerman. Yep. I don't know, man. Okay, so are you done? I thought that was kind of quick. Okay, that was good. No, that that was well put. And I like your opinion. I I mean it's I can't even I can't even disagree with the opinion, but there's not in a million years, not in a million years would I change that line. Not in a million years would I change Tuck, Thompson, and Skinner. They to me are a line that's going to be a staple. You are not touching that line. We're talking about a, we're talking about Cage Thompson that's 42 goals and 86 points. And if you think it's just by himself, you're crazy. Jeff Skinner has 29 goals, 66 points in 62 games. If you think Jeff Skinner has those points by himself, you're crazy. Alex Tuck, 57 games, 28 goals, 62 points. It is an absolute no-brainer that this line stays together. Absolute no-brainer. You have Cousins. You have Quinn. You have J.J. Paterka. That is going to be a line for years to come that we are going to sit there and laugh because they are going to be dominating. Listen to me. That line will dominate other teams. Okay? They are going to be so good. We're talking kids right now. And they're not going to be kids for long. They're going to be cocky, confident, young men that know how good they are. And they're going to tear other teams apart. And then you still have Middlestad, who I've actually liked his game. I like his game. He's got 40 points, man, in 65 games. I think he's going to get 50 points, which is awesome which I don't think is his ceiling at all. I think Casey Middlestad has more. I think he's a wizard with the puck. I think he sees the ice well. If he plays with players that make Casey Middlestad better, I think Casey's going to be even more dangerous. And a Jordan Greenway that is a big, strong, fast, and skilled player that right now, right now, doesn't quite have the confidence Okay, but once Jordan Greenway gains that confidence and starts to um, gain chemistry with his line mates, I think he's going to be a monster. I really do. He's big. He's fast. He plays a strong, hard game. He's very tough to play against because he's so big and so strong. I think Casey Middlestat with him is going to be awesome. Then it's like, who else do you play? Now you have Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs has been playing center. Casey Middlestat's on the left wing. Jordan Greenway's on the right. Is that a line that can catch fire? We're going to have to wait and see. Then what do you do for the fourth line? Are you taking out uh, uh, Jost? 
And the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not. Tyson Jost has played very, very, very well in his role. He's actually getting under the skin of players. He's playing uh, a physical. He can kill penalties. He's really taken on his job description for this team, and he's played really, really well. What do you do on the wings? You got Caliposo and Gergensen. Are you taking them out of the lineup to bring in Victor Olsen? And then you then you move forward. You see what you have. You see if you can gain some 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 power on those second and third third lines. The fourth line, you pretty much know what you're going to get. Caliposo, Gergensen, and Jost have played really, really well together. And you know what you're going to get out of them each and every night. The question mark is what are you getting out of line two? What are you getting out of line three? Can those can one of those lines pick up and 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 produce offense to help out the number one line. That's, that's what it's all about. And you have to defend, you have to defend. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Is Rasmus Dahlin still on your, this will be the final subject before we get out of here. Um, Is Rasmus Dahlin still on your uh, Norris ballot as of right now? thousand thousand percent he's 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 ultimately he's ultimately number two i i i mean eric carlson's having a year that is Mm mind-blowing mind-blowing last last defenseman to get 100 points which carlson can do was brian leach and it was like 93 94 94 95 somewhere in there that's right. 92, I think it was. Maybe it was 92. You know, we're we're talking almost 30 years, 30 years um, that a defenseman has not produced 100 points. And Eric Carlson's done something so special. And he's done it on a team that uh, is not an elite offensive, talented team. Eric Carlson has had a world-class, world-class season on a very, very, very average team in the league. And Rasmus Dahlin, I think, has been right there. Now he's been banged up and I can tell you, I can just tell that he's not, and I might be over overlooking this, but to me, it looks like he is playing hurt. He's playing through discomfort. He's playing through something that's hindering him from being a, a hundred percent Darlene. And I still, yes, I still very much, very much think that Darlene is is in the running for for you know the 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 Norris Trophy. Do I think he's going to win it? No, I don't think he's going to win it. Abs- absolutely not. Yeah. You know, okay. you have, I, when you have Eric Carlson, Eric Carlson has twenty one more points. Twenty one more points than Rasmus Darlene, who's number third. I, I know, and what morning. bothers me, but and, and I know what you're going to say. I, I and I understand the argument and I agree with the argument. He's on a he's on a team that's out of the playoffs and they've had a bad year, San Jose. Yep. So you know, to expect him to be a plus player on that team is next to impossible. But I mean, I guess when I think of the defense and I'm not getting into I, I think about a, a plus player. You know, I mean, maybe that's where Josh Morrissey comes into play. I mean, you take Josh Morrissey off that that back end in, in Winnipeg. I mean, what do you got? You know what I mean? So 
What do you have if you take Rasmus Dahlin off the Sabres? Well, yeah, I mean, power. They're not Samuelson. the same. Yeah, They're you not the have, same right now. You, don't you have, got a yeah, five-year player. I, I agree. You got a rookie in power. And you I was only saying Morrissey over Dahlin because I was only saying Morrissey over Dahlin because he's on a playoff team. And I don't think that factors in for the Norris Trophy. All I'm saying is when I think of a defenseman, I mean, yes, it's incredible that a defenseman gets 100 points, but that doesn't mean he's the best defenseman. He's the most offensive defenseman. So I guess there's your answer. Let's go back, get make, create a Bobby Orr Award and give it to the highest scoring defenseman so we can give the real defenseman the Norris Trophy. Because I don't so who, consider so who Eric would you Carlson pick? like a real defense. Who, who would you pick then? Like Eric Carlson has 84 points, 20 goals. He's minus 11. Josh Morrissey has 15 goals, 67 points in 66 games. Darlene, 63 points, 14 goals in 61 games. He's plus 19. Dougie Hamilton, 18 goals, 63 points, plus 26. Go. There's, there's. There's your number one candidate. Adam Fox would be another. Um, Sergachev is a is a great example of a of a two way defense. Sergachev, I'm, I'm just talking about Charlie McAvoy. Who's the best defenseman? Who's the best defenseman? Victor Hedman. I mean, he's he's number sixteen in scoring, but he's also missed some games. But not, I mean, not many. He's like, not. Ha- he's here's not a having- guy. Here's a guy that gets no love anymore, and and thank God he actually won a Norris Trophy because he was robbed all those years. Uh, Drew Doughty. I mean, he only has oh three goals. God. I'm just saying, Drew Doughty's not even close. It's not even close. Not even remotely close. That's just that's just my thinking. I, I like Drew Doughty. I've always been a major fan of him, but he hasn't been anywhere close to being a Norris Trophy uh, candidate for many, many years. Dougie Hamilton is having a world-class season because he's playing on a team right now that is is one of the top teams in the league. Like I look I look at I look at Rasmus Dahlin. Can you imagine Eric Carlson playing on a on a top team in the league? Can you imagine him playing on the top team in the league, one of the top teams? I mean, it's going to be very interesting. I think I think Josh Morrissey is is a really interesting candidate for for you know the Norris. Um you know, you look at you look at the guys that are playing the most in the league right now. Kale McCarr, uh, you, you know, he's played a lot. He's played less games than most, but he's at uh, twenty six forty one. Drew Daddy's at twenty six twenty two. Rasmus Dahlin is third in the NHL for 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 players at twenty uh, twenty five forty four. So he plays the most minutes in the league, third most minutes in the league. Right now, Darlene has 14 goals. He sits six among, amongst defensemen. You know, he's fourth amongst assists, power pl- or uh, uh, plus minus. Like he's playing on it on, I wouldn't say a bad team by any stretch. I think he's 
you know, Darlene's had a Darlene's not only your number one power play guy on one of the top power plays in the league. He kills penalties. He's physical. He's had unbelievable hits this year. He's got nastiness to his game. His overall game right now is as good as any defenseman in the league. Could he win it? If the Sabres don't, made the playoffs, I think he made should. The playoffs, he I think he would win. He would have. They deserved. made the playoffs. I think, and I don't would. know if playoffs for the Norris make a difference. It's certainly not going to make a difference. I mean, Connor McDavid could be in dead last in the league in the on his team, and or his team could be dead last in the league, and he's still going to win the the heart. You know what I mean? But yeah. um, I I just I don't know. The, the Norris to me is always the most interesting. It's always the most interesting trophy because does the guy who actually deserve it win? Do you think Rasmus Dahlin will win a Norris trophy in his time? It would be very hard for me to say no, but it's not going to be easy to say yes. Cause I mean, Kale McCarr is going to have a few more under there. Victor Hedman might be able to get back to a form where he could maybe compete for another one. Who's that? Hedman, you're going to have Moritz Siders going to be competing in time for Norris trophies. You're going to have, there are lots of good young defensemen. You're going to have a Roman Yossi. You're going to have an Eric Carlson. You're going to have a Dougie Hamilton that will start to fall off. You're going to have the emergence of a Quinn Hughes, an Adam Fox, a Rasmus Dahlin. Josh Morrissey's still relative. Yep. Kale McCarr. Nero yep. Heiskanen, yep. like there's there's some younger defense um, that are going to be making strides moving forward. That it's going to be difficult to win a win a Norris Trophy. But I will say this: there there are teams that you know Rasmus Dahlin right now. I think if he was on the New York Rangers. I think he would win. Uh, Can I three, point something four, out to three, you? Four Norris trophies in a row. You left a guy. Ma- you left a massive guy off the list. Young or old? Mid, but more younger. He's missed fifteen games this year, maybe more games. Kale McCarr. No, he's already won one. Didn't he win the, the Norris last year? Oh, uh, Yossi. Nope. Who are we talking? Chuck. About? Chuck, Chuck McAvoy. He's played 52 games. He has five goals, yeah. 38 assists. He's plus 26. Yeah. Don't give me the old. He plays on the Boston Bruins either. Well, I will give you that he plays on the Boston Bruins, and that team is going to make um, in the next three years. I think they will be not the same team whatsoever. That's just my opinion. Well, that's where so it's going to be tougher. That's where him. the test will will lie for Charlie McAvoy. Yep. So just like Victor Hedman, Victor Hedman's, you know, he's not old by any by any stretch, but you know, thirty two years old, he's starting to have he's starting to play enough games. Like he's played nine hundred and sixty games in this league, and when you have nine hundred and sixty games in this league, you have injuries. Not injuries that just are through the season. You're talking about your body is worn down. Carryover injuries that just, you can't, your body's banged up. 
whether it's through broken bones, tendons, like muscles, it, it, you don't, you're not able to train the same way in the summer to build your body up because you're not training to build, you're training to maintain what you have. And it's different for guys that are, that are a little bit older. And I think Victor Hedman is, and it looked like he went out with a back. I don't know if you saw the play when he left yeah, the game, yeah, but he yeah. looked like he went out with a back. And I'm going to tell you, if he's got a ruptured disc or something in there. I mean, that's it, it's the, the, with technology these days, those surgeries are, are, are done so much faster and the recovery, recovery so much faster, but that doesn't mean that you're back to a hundred percent, you know, like you're now you're, you're minus part of a disc or you have, you know, a fusion or whatever the case may be. So you're never the same. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.